Let's bow our heads and have a little prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, bless us now as we think about your word. Call us to you and focus our attention, we ask, that we might hear your voice clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our text is in Psalms. We're going through our summer session in the book of Psalms. We're in Psalm number 147. Psalm number 147 for our text today. Psalms 147 for our psalm for today. <coughs> I grew up on the Sour Springs Road. If any of you know where that is, uh, the nearest neighbor we had was a half a mile away up the road. There was a girl that lived there named Suzanne. And we also went to church three miles farther up the road on Fletcher Chapel Road. There was a girl there named Bonnie. Those were the only two girls I knew. <laughs> so naturally, I thought both of them were beautiful. Uh, of course, when I went to school, I got to know more girls. And eventually, I began to notice the pretty girls. At least, I thought they were pretty. And they say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Or in other words, uh, most people decide for themselves what makes someone attractive. But I kind of used another system when I was looking. When I got old enough to take a girl out, I used my ears to decide whether I liked a girl or not. I remember I went to pick up a girl, and her mother told me, you should do this, and you should do that, and you should take my daughter here, and you should take my daughter there. And I decided right away that even if that girl looked like an angel, her nagging mother made her very unattractive to me. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I did find an attractive girl who didn't have a nagging mother, and she's my wife now, and yeah, yeah. My Uncle Ed always used to say, I don't know how those Olsen boys got such nice wives. They don't deserve them. (laughs) And then he'd say to me, you better be nice to her. And Miss Cheryl loved Uncle Ed. (laughs) You say, Eric, what's all this got to do with the book of Psalms? Well, the very unusual thing stated in Psalm 147, I've never seen anything quite like it anywhere else in the Bible. And it gives a very remarkable reason for singing a psalm. Now, the last five psalms in the book of Psalms, which would be Psalm 146 through Psalm 150, were very popular songs. The book of Psalms ends on a very high note, a joyful finish to their hymn book, and I'm sure they were probably the most popular and most often sung psalms, the last five in the book. And they were called, they had a name, the Hallels. And they were sung on special holidays. And if you were eating your Passover dinner, you would probably sing one of these Hallels. Jesus sang these songs. And you were to sing to God. And the Hebrew word for God was Yah. J-A-H, Yah. And so our English Bible translated from the Hebrew, reads, praise to the Lord. And if you look at Psalm 146 through 150, they all start with, praise ye the Lord. 
Everyone has the same beginning. Or a Hallel to Yah, or Hallelujah. Hallelujah would be the, the uh, Hebrew word. Upbeat and happy, these songs express the joy of living. And so let's start Psalm 147 and see what it says here that's quite unusual. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. It's good, he says here, to sing praises to the Lord, and it is comely, is the word they use. That's an old word that's gone out of use. We don't say that word anymore. But if someone is comely, they are attractive. Now, the Apostle Peter was, to the chagrin of the Catholic Church, a married man. And Peter said, a beautiful woman is not beautiful because of her hair or her fancy jewelry or her expensive clothes. She's beautiful on the inside in the hidden places of the heart. And that's where beauty is. And it says here in Psalm 147 that singing praises to God gives a person a pleasant spirit. And it is that pleasant nature that makes a person comely or attractive. So praising God will make you a beautiful person. Someone who truly praises God develops a beautiful spirit. So if you want to be a beautiful person, pay attention now. Here are the ways and the reasons why we praise the Lord. Verse 2. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcast of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Now Jerusalem, of course, back then was the center of all worship. Now the church is what Jesus is building. He said, I'm going to build my church. And notice it says, who is in the church? Outcasts, the brokenhearted, and wounded people. Someone said to me months, that church over in East Shelby is filled with all sorts of strange people. You said it. I hope so. I hope so. It sounds like quite a collection of people, doesn't it? Outcast, brokenhearted, wounded people. It certainly does. But I want you to notice a contrast here in verse 4. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Now, as humans, we can't even count all the stars. We can't count them. There's too many to count. But God knows them all by name, it says. There's a TV commercial comes on once in a while. If you send them money, so they'll name a star after you. They say a fool and his money are soon parted. God's already got all the stars named, it says. 
He spoke them into existence. He spun those stars off the tip of his creative fingertips. And he named them all. He is obviously a superior being. His mind and his grasp of all things, it says, is infinite. Look, if he can create stars and set them in motion across the universe, isn't it amazing that he gathers together outcasts, broken-hearted people, and people who have wounds in their spirits and in their consciences, Why does such a powerful, mighty God have anything to do with people like us? Hmm? We're amazed by God's condescension. Now, the dictionary defines condescension as being gracious about doing a thing considered beneath one's dignity. Usually when we say a person is condescending, it has a negative feeling. We say someone is condescending because they think they're better than we are. And they kind of look down their nose at us because they think they're better than we are. We say those people are condescending. We have a negative thing about being spoken to in a condescending way. But God, who can create a billion stars and spread them across the universe and know them all by name, he is better than us, isn't he? He's way better than us. He's infinitely better than us. So if he gathers in outcasts, and if he heals broken hearts, and if he soothes wounds, wounded people and binds up their wounds, that means he's coming down to our level coming down where we are and that's exactly what Jesus did the choir sang this morning out of the ivory palaces into a world of woe only his great eternal love made my savior go he came down and he came down and he came down to a manger in Bethlehem. He was condescending, that is, coming down to our level. He stooped way down low to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So we praise him and we sing and say, thank you God and thank you Jesus who left heaven's glory to come here and help us. And when we grasp that God the creator came down to live among us, we're so grateful for it. We become attractive. Grateful, thankful people are pleasant to be with. They're attractive. Verse number six. The Lord lifteth up the meek, and he casts the wicked down to the ground. Don't misunderstand. If people refuse to believe, people rebel against God, if people don't want anything to do with God, he's not going to bless them. He's going to leave them to their own devices. But meek, lowly, unimportant people, people who are plain, ordinary people like us gathered here, if we call out to God and say, Oh God, my heart is broken. 
I've been rejected in this world. He promises to come to your aid. That's condescending. God coming down to us. That's the first stanza of this psalm. And we start the second stanza in verse 7. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. If you're going to praise God, you need, he says, to make better music. I agree. So grab your harp and play it. And let voices and instruments combine to increase the volume and make better harmonies. I mean, our choir can sing in four parts. We can play the piano in 88 different keys. So... More harmonies, the better. Why? Because, verse 8, who covereth the heaven with clouds, prepareth rain for the earth, maketh grass to grow on the mountains, giveth to the beasts his food, and to the young ravens which cry. We know water vapor rises up and forms into clouds, and clouds move along until they drop their rain, and rain makes the grass grow. You've all been mowing pretty steadily this year, haven't you? As the rain makes the grass grow, the deer and the cattle eat the grass, and even little baby birds are fed by what God sends. This is God's cycle at work. God plans to care for every living thing. Remember what Jesus said. This is Jesus trying to teach you and me how to think. He said, consider the ravens. They don't plant crops or reap harvests, harvest, but God feeds them. He said, consider the lilies. They don't spin wool and make cloth, but God makes them beautiful. So Jesus taught us to reason from nature over to God and God's people. If God feed birds, he says, Take a normal reason that he will take care of you. Certainly if he takes care of sparrows, he'll take care of you. And if God clothes the lilies, makes them beautiful, he's going to take care of you too. If God has whole systems that provide food for animals and for birds, certainly he's going to take care of you. So sing and be thankful for it. Verse 10. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. Look, God is not impressed by the strength of a horse. Of course, back in this day when the Bible was written, you went into battle. The stronger you were was considered by the most number of horses you had. God is not impressed by the strength of a horse or by the power of any man. There's no man that impresses God by his power. He tends to weak things like baby birds, huh? baby ravens. He cares for wounded people with broken hearts. So if you want to please God, don't say, hey God, look at me on ice something. No. Instead, say, you are a great God, so please help me. Have mercy on me. God is delighted when people realize 
that they need him. He's delighted by that, it says here. We sang a song, I need thee every hour. Most gracious Lord, no tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. That, my friends, is what pleases God the most. That's the second stanza. Now we come to the third stanza in verse 12. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of thy gates. He has blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders and filleth thee with the finest of wheat. God has made the church a safe place. A place where we gather and are blessed. And it's especially wonderful that God has made the church to be a place where our children are especially blessed. Today, you will see children coming to be baptized. Every young heart that comes to the waters of baptism should reach down into your heart and call out of you aloud, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord. He's blessed our children among us. Amen. We have peace with God and peace with ourselves. And we eat of the fat of the land. We're surrounded with the best that God has to offer when we gather in his name, when we come to his house. And our children are the recipients of those good things. There's not much that makes me any happier than what I got to do today, which is baptize some kids. I love it. I love it. God loves it. God loves it. Now, in the first stanza, we've seen God's creative power in the stars. In the second stanza, we saw God's systems as he supplies the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Now, here in the third stanza, we're going to see something very familiar to you and me. Verse 15. He sendeth forth his commandment upon the earth. His word runneth very swiftly. When God says he's going to make something happen, he can really make it happen quickly. And here's an example. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? We know all about that in western New York, don't we? A few years ago, I was driving to work early in the morning. I got behind a snowplow, and that's always good to be behind a snowplow. I followed him for a mile or two. He stopped. He got out of the truck, walked back to me, said, you can't follow me. I said, why not? You got that big truck. He said, when I go over that bridge, there's cars everywhere all over the road. You got to go back. So... I turned around, and I thought, I'd just try another road. Go a little farther and take another road. So I turned around, and I said, there's only about four inches of snow. No big deal. And I drove down the road one mile, and there was three feet of snow. <laughs> and before that day was over, there was six feet of snow. It covered the windows on the overhead door. It says, God word 
goes out swiftly. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? He can really make it snow, huh? And pile up quickly, can he? And cold, chilling, freezing temperatures, too cold to stay outside. You come in church and you go, oh, as the frostbite sets in. Oh, no, the psalmist is right. You can't stand against God's chilling cold. <laughs> and God can reverse it if he wants to. Verse 18, he sendeth out his word and melteth them and causes the wind to blow and the waters flow. Spring comes and warm winds and melting snows and running waters. All God does is say the word and his word quickly moves and the snow piles up. And he says the word again, and the spring winds blow, and it melts. God's word, he says, is powerful and swift as we see it working in nature. Now verse 19, he showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and judgments unto Israel. He has not dealt so with any nation, as for his judgments they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. He's given to us his word, and that's what this Bible is. He's given to us a book to read. That's a remarkable thing. We have a book to read from God. We have instruction. We have guidance in the book. In the book we have encouragement and support in the book. We have information in the book. We have truth in the book. And we have Jesus introduced to us in the book who teaches us all about God. Thank you, God, for such a wonderful book. So true, so reliable, so unique, and so inspiring. Praise the Lord, he says, we got his book. What a kindness it was for God to give us such an insight into his mind. When he gave us a book. So we praise the Lord. We thank him for stooping down. To help poor humans like us. Gathering us together in the church. Blessing us. And we thank him so much for blessing our children. And for filling us with hope. And then giving us his wonderful word. And making us attractive. When we honor God for all he does for us. So let's speak up, huh? Let's be thankful for his blessings. May God bless you and give you peace. And may you be a beautiful person made attractive by your giving of thanks and recognizing just how good God has been to us. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done. We see in nature your hand at work we see the same plan extended into our lives as you supply our needs and help us and keep us safe. And they've given us such good direction and guidance. We ask that it would call out something in us today, a new spirit in us, that we might find these things delightful and good, and that it would get inside of our spirits and we would become attractive people as we thank God and count all these good things that you've done for us. So 
So bless us in a special way, we ask. And may we sing the hallelujah, praise to God, as we gather with each other. And as we gather around that pond today, may we see what God has done and be grateful in our hearts for it. We thank you again. We can't thank you enough. Thank you for all the blessings you give us. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn with me, if you will, hymn number 26. Hymn number 26, standing as we sing, if you will, for the beauty of the earth and for the glory of the skies. Hymn number 26, standing as we sing. Page number 26. that your hand is that and we are thankful that though you are powerful and big that you have stooped down to care about us come to our level why you ever had interest in us is an amazing thing to us may that bring to our hearts a grateful praise a song in our hearts that you have cared to save us from certain eternity Eternal damnation, you have saved us from that. If we just would ask, if we just come to you, we know that we can have salvation free and pure. We are thankful for all of those folks who are standing up today and saying that in front of people, Lord. 
They are saying how they love the Lord and how they want to serve him. Help us all to see that in our hearts, to be inspired by those things, to stand up and do what we ought to do. Keep us all safe and protect us. Bring us back to this place, we pray, and we may worship together. We thank you very much for the blessings we have in our lives, and we just ask for a special hand to touch each one of these folks as they go uh, throughout this world this week. We ask for protection and help in your name. Amen.